Today, I just want to share with you some about dreams. And the idea with this is that uh, a dream, vision, idea, really is, is something, there's, there's reality, and then there's what could be or what should be. And it's a place I live caught between many times. I live between reality and what I see could be and should be. And, and that's where dreams give you the strength and the energy to keep pushing on after something. And uh, when I was a little kid, I, I dreamed of being an astronaut. That's what I wanted to be. I loved the idea of going someplace where nobody else had been. And, you know, pretty much here on the Earth, everything's kind of mapped out, been explored. And, and so I thought the idea of space was really cool. Um, now, my parents didn't, when I was young, this is about like five, six, seven years old, my parents didn't really encourage me in this. In fact, they later told me that, that I had some limitations with my eyesight. And so I probably wasn't ever going to get into the Air Force or to NASA. That just wasn't going to happen. And, uh, but I wasn't too discouraged because I watched this TV show called The Six Million Dollar Man. And he was a former astronaut that wiped out and, and anyway got these bionic body parts that made him move super fast and he was super strong. And so I got real excited about this guy. Um, and so I stopped thinking about being an astronaut and I thought about being uh, a bionic man. And so I ran around the house and I was you know, rescuing imaginary people and, and saving my dog from mortal danger. And uh, so, you know, hey, Shannon, you want to be an astronaut? You want to be the $6 million man, right? Yeah, in your dreams. Well, you're right. They are dreams. And uh, those were just childhood dreams, childhood dreams. But you know what? I still haven't lost my fascination with exploration and pioneering or my desire to help people. And it's kind of what I do today, uh, pioneering for a new church, for a new generation, uh, navigating for the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, I'm not a very good bionic man, but I do know how to introduce people to the son of man who can help anyone in any situation. And uh, sometimes dreams, they have to die. Some dreams just need to be shot down, but some dreams have to die to resurrect again. And some dreams just need to grow up. Other times, the dreamer needs to die, and the dreamer needs to grow up so that their valuable dreams can be emptied of themselves. Uh, one character in the Bible, Joseph, I, I sometimes hold in contrast with Nehemiah. Uh, Joseph had a, a, a dream, you know, something that, that you, in the middle of the night you can't explain, something in your subconscious. And Nehemiah was somebody who had uh, more of a, a vision. Uh, he was thinking of his hometown. Uh, and he was in exile. And he was dreaming of this place that he couldn't go. Only he was dreaming of it what, what it once was. And some people came from Jerusalem, his hometown, and told him, it's a mess, it's a wreck. And he was crushed because the place that he was dreaming of wasn't the place that it once was. But yet something happened there. So, but sometimes I, I hold these two in contrast. Both had dreams, ideas, visions, or whatever you want to call them. Uh, in Genesis 37, you can read about Joseph, how he was given a specific dream, and that he immediately shared it with the people around him. And the response was unanimous. Let's get rid of Joseph. That was the response to Joseph's dream. And ten jealous brothers sold Joseph into slavery into Egypt. You know, Joseph spent time as a slave and a prisoner. Joseph was being shaped during that time so that he could be ready to live out the dream that God gave him because he wasn't ready at the point that he got the dream. Part of the dream was part of God's big plan to rescue the Israelite people and preserve them along with the people of Egypt. 
And Joseph's dream came true, but the dream wasn't just about him. The dream was bigger than him. It was much bigger and it involved much more, many more people. Nehemiah, on the other hand, was already going through some shaping. Uh, he was taken captive as a prisoner of war and he lived in exile. Nehemiah was dreaming of home, but the news came back the place, was in ruin, and he was crushed. And he heard of something that should not be, and he thought of what could be. And he immediately went to the Lord in prayer, began praying about it. And I don't know when Nehemiah began dreaming or dreaming of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, but whether it was before prayer or during prayer or after prayer, he didn't blurt out his dream. He didn't blurt out this vision for re rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Instead, he, he kept it to himself and held on to it for several months. Didn't say a word to anybody. He just prayed and he waited for an opportunity to share his dream. Now, sometimes dreams have to grow up, be refined in the fire. And sometimes dreamers have to grow up and be refined in the fire. So why am I telling you this? Because I know that we live in a time where many of us in the kingdom of God have ideas, passion, dreams, and visions. And it's the day and age that we live in. You know the verse that, that Sue just read to the children. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they'll prophesy. You know, in the first gospel message that the Apostle Peter shared after the resurrection, he quoted these words to let the people know that they had entered into these last days. And here we are today still living in that same era that began nearly 2,000 years ago. And I know that, that we have dreams, many times dreams, ideas, and visions that are God-given. But just because a dream is good and it's God-given doesn't mean that we're always ready for it to become reality immediately. Sometimes we need to wait. And although we may see a great need and we have a great solution, we may not be mature, mature enough to carry out that solution. Sometimes we need to wait. Well, I wanted, and here's, here's what I want to share with you a little bit more today. I've shared some with you about where we are in our hearts, and I know that many of us have dreams, but God has gathered us here together as a church, and somehow those dreams, I think we're going to find some similarities, and people that are going to come together, and God has brought together for a special purpose. And I know that uh, for this church, there are some dreams that lie ahead of us, some vision that's still yet to be fulfilled. You know, when I, in 1999, I, I wanted to start a church. That's when I first started dreaming and thinking about that. But it was the wrong time, and I had the wrong place in mind. It wasn't Asheville, and I wasn't ready. I still had some maturing to do. And uh, not that uh, I've arrived or anything. I hope I'm still maturing. I hope I continue when I'm 80 years old. But the beginning of uh, 2005, some things came into alignment. Uh, the right time, the right place, uh, my maturity, and maturi maturing of that original dream. Uh, and I just want to share with you some of that vision that has come to pass. It's already happened in the past 11 months. And I want to share with you also what has not been attained, what is still yet there to go, what we're, what's still ahead of us, what we can jump into. Part of the vision was to start a church where all people matter to God. All people, not just certain generations, not just certain races, not just those who are good, but also those who are bad. A gathering where the rich and poor, the young and old, male and female, everybody can have access to God the Father through Jesus the Son. 
by Spirit. I think that we have begun a gathering like that. There's no ID check when you come in the door here, no, no spiritual belief check uh, when you walk in the door. You're welcome. You're welcome to belong before you believe. You know, we have a good start. We have a good start on that here. But there's more. There's more we can do. Part of the vision is uh, sharing the ancient and unchanging message of Jesus Christ with relevance that communicates to our culture, delivering the message to the right cultural address. You know, John 12, 49, Jesus said that the Father told him what to say and how to say it. I feel like many times uh, there are many churches today that are really trying to share the message, but they're sharing it to the wrong address. They're sharing it to our culture that lived in 1940 and 1950. And our culture has moved to a new address since that time. And so we're trying our best. We're trying to use creative arts. We're trying to use performing arts, media, drama, music to communicate. But what I think is that we've just begun to tap the ways that we can communicate. And I don't think it's only just in presentation of the gospel, but the gospel presented in the way we live and our choices that we make in our everyday lives. You know, in our gatherings, we're going to have energetic music. We're going to have humor skits. We're going to do things people, uh, to help people participate in our worship. Um, and we're going to, you know, and we're going to try to help people not be bystanders when they come here. You know, and, and we're not going to make apologies for that. And, and we're not going to give, get up and give big scriptural defenses for that. We're just going to do it. It's the way we are. This is, this is our generation. This is how we're going to worship. It's indigenous to our culture. So we're not going to grow up and do things normal someday. So for those of you who are, who've been coming here and you're hoping, you're hoping that we're going to grow up and get over this, it's not going to happen, okay? So, but I really believe that we've just scratched the surface of communicating in relevant means. You know, as far as the relevant meter, I mean, we're just, we're just barely going. So there's more. There's more that we can do. Part of the vision is building community to reach a community. You know, we started with one little community of practice that met in a home in one little neighborhood. And now there are eight of them scattered across the city throughout the area, what we call gel groups. And it's where really we're, we're just trying to practice the Christian faith and live it out. Now we're, we're starting more with new leaders this fall. You know, the goal is helping the people to identify the next step in their spiritual journey. What's your next step? How can we help you take that step? And I just want to clarify, you know, just if, if you're looking for deep, what people call deep Bible study, um, you know what, what you really need is not a gel group. You need to meet one-on-one -on -one with somebody. You need to meet with someone who's a mentor, a coach, a life coach, or a discipler. That's what you need if, if that's what you're asking for. Because really, gel group isn't about you. It's about the group. And it's about helping the group as a whole. So again, it's, it's community. Building community to reach a community. Our groups are made in such a way that anybody is welcome to be a part of those. You don't have to be a believer or a Christ follower to come to those groups. So that's, that's the scoop on that part of the vision. And again, there's still more to come. We, we are just, we've just begun. Part of the vision is authentic community. And I, I can't tell of all the stories, but I'll just let you know that love, loyalty, and friendship is being lived out and we are figuring out how to speak the truth in love. We're figuring out how to take off the mask and be, be real with each other, be real with God. 
and be real with ourselves. Because if we can't do that, then, then again, we're missing the mark as far as authentic, real. But there's more. There's more. We can, we can grow in this, become better at it. Part of the vision is passing the baton of faith and leadership to the next generation. You can see it being fulfilled every Sunday when the little kids come up here and they gather around Sue. And as Nate, as he leads us worship, that's really springing from the 20-something generation, the millennial generation, and it's coming from their hearts. And, and you can also see it. I can see it in our, in our 20-somethings that are here in this church, in this gathering, as they're modeling this idea of passing the baton. Once a month, our 20-somethings are taking a Thursday night when they usually get together, and they're taking time to invest in our high school and our middle school students at the slice. They've got the idea. Each generation is looking over your shoulder at the generation behind you saying, how can I help you? How can I help, how can I help pass on baton of faith and leadership? There's still more. There's still more. There's more of us that can jump into that and help out, not just our 20-something crew. You know, part of the vision was a church that would release people so that they could reveal Christ in their everyday lives wherever they're at. We're keeping things simple at Highland. We aren't going to have a whole bunch of programs. You know, if you're hoping for this super singles program, I just don't, I can't promise you that's going to happen. Uh, really, you know, we, we really believe in keeping generations together, not separating them out. Uh, yeah, there are times when uh, people who are single are going to get together and do things. In fact, probably every Sunday after church, there's a group going out and going out to eat. So I'm just saying that we're keeping things simple. We're trying not to busy up our calendar with busy church activities that really take us away from figuring out who our neighbors are, taking us away from our families and being time in our, spending time in our home. It's just crazy. Seven out of ten Americans don't even know their neighbor's name. It should change. Again, you know, this October 31st, we're not going to do some kind of special kids thing. We're telling everybody, go home. Be at home. That's when your neighbors show up at your door and they knock. And they say, hello, are you there? So instead of running and hiding and going to a movie, I encourage you to stay home and be there and meet your neighbors. It's a great time. It's a great time. You need to be there. Part of the vision was to see a gathering where people are encouraged in a nurturing environment to give full devotion to Jesus Christ. Every day I hear stories of people in our midst who are taking things out of their lives so they can be more fully devoted to Christ. I hear of people putting things into their lives so they can be more fully devoted to Christ. Whether you're taking in or putting in, either way, we want to live beyond ourselves. We want to start living for the one who gave his life for us. Let's do it like he did. Let's do it like Christ did. And let's serve others, serve the people around us. Now, I just want to tell you, I just want to tell you, some of the things I just described to you here a year ago did not exist. It didn't exist. This was just all a dream. It was just a vision in somebody's head. None of what I described existed. But because of God's mercy and help, there are some parts of this vision that have come to pass. And we get to be a part of it. God is asking us to partner with Him in His mission here in Asheville. And again, we're not the only church that's part of His big plan. There's other great churches that are doing great things here in this city. But He's asking us to be a part of it and to do it in the way that we know how. You know, David, young David, fought Goliath. You know, he didn't go out, didn't put on Saul's armor. 
That was the way Saul fought his battles. That was not the way David fought his battles. David had a little sling and a stone. You know what? We may not know how to put on the armor like some of the other big churches, but God's trained us how to use a sling and a stone. And we'll use it. We'll use the way we know how. So God has allowed parts of this vision to come alive because they're aligned with what He wants to do. But I also want to tell you this. There's more. There's more to this. We're almost a year old, and there's so much more that lies ahead. I just want to share with you more of the vision today. Tell you more of the dream, what's happening. I've shared some at the beginning of the year in January, um, but there's, I know there's many of you here that are new, just checking out things, and so I want to tell you, and it's more like what C.S. Lewis said. We just need to go further up and farther in. Further up and farther in. The vision was not to just start a church, but to be a church that plants other churches. And the vision will be closer to being fulfilled when we begin raising up leaders right here and sending them out with a launch team and our financial support to start a church somewhere else. So how in the world are we going to do that? First, Highland, this little gathering, has to become a self-sustaining church. What I mean is, is right now we're a church that's still dependent on outside support from other churches and individuals. Many of you probably didn't know that. But we have income that comes from three different directions right now. We have uh, income that comes from Stadia, which is the church planning organization that helped us get started. We have income from individuals and a few churches, which uh, our staff solicited. We went out and asked and raised support. Uh, We also have income that comes from you all in the offerings every Sunday. So the income that has come from Stadia is on a declining balance. It's each month it becomes less and less. Right now, they're giving us something like $1,000 a month. So in the next couple of months, it'll go $800, $600, $400, $200. And by February, that'll be gone. So February 2007, there'll be no more income from Stadia. Uh, there are folks, individuals that have been giving in churches. They, they committed to giving for two years. That two years will be up around July, June, July of 2007. So that income will be gone. So... What, what we're looking at is a time where our church, um, we're learning how to support ourselves. To say, it's like a baby, like a baby learning how to walk. It's not dependent on mom or dad picking them up and carrying them around anymore. And so it, it's coming down to um, what this group does and what we give. Um, you know, I, I want to let you know, I, I'm not a statistician or anything like that, but the folks... Uh, on my management team, they, they follow this kind of thing. And they tell me that this church is, uh, and their giving is one of the most generous churches among all the church plants in the Southeast. And, uh, and that is fantastic. I'm, I'm so proud of you guys, and thank you so much for your giving. So I'm grateful because your generosity and the generosity of individuals outside other states have really helped support and to fulfill the vision of Highland. Uh, you know, we've been right on track. We've been right on track. In fact, we've been ahead of what others have projected for our church. And because of that, uh, we've been able to bring on people like Nate and bring him on in a part-time position as our worship leader. We've been able to bring Sue on as our part-time uh, children's director. So it's fantastic. Uh, we've been able to do that ahead of what was really originally projected. So, I, you know, I'm not saying that we're behind. I'm not saying that at all. We're not in trouble. I'm not even worried about this at all. I'm not. I'm just saying that we want to continue the level of ministry that we offer at Highland. And uh, we're dreaming of even more. We're dreaming of even more. 
So does your giving make a difference? Yeah, it does. And we need others who attend Highland on a regular basis to give regularly too and replace those out-of-state individuals who have supported our church for the past year and a half. You know, one day we will plant a daughter church, but first we have to be able to stand and support ourselves. So that's kind of the next step for us. But again, there's more beyond that. I just want to tell you more what's, what's behind that. Some people wonder, who's going to be raised up to plant a, a daughter church? Where would we plant another church? Where is really answered by the leader that God gives and raises up among us? It's how God directs that leader to whether the church will be planted on the other side of Asheville or it'll be in Boone, North Carolina or Greenville, South Carolina or Nashua, New Hampshire or overseas somewhere. Really, it could be anywhere. You know, you might think that's really crazy, but this last April, I, I just met a guy who was part of a, a strong church up in Detroit and he... Um, Felt God's direction to plant a church in Salt Lake City, Utah. And uh, he went before the church in, in Utah. Uh, his, his senior uh, leader there, the senior pastor, said, go ahead, share your vision with the church. And he did. And after that Sunday, after he shared, there were 40 families, 40 families that committed to moving from Detroit and removing and resettling in Salt Lake City, Utah, to help start a new church there. Amazing. Amazing. And these people have done, this church is called K2. You can check it up on a website somewhere. But just to say that the church supported them because the vision drew them. They were excited about what they saw. You know, there's a young man, there's a leader that I'm praying for that I hope will join our staff in the coming year. He is a, a pastor to the millennial generation, and I would love to see him here helping with ministry to our young students. I believe he's somebody whom God might call to start a church that would reach people that we in no way would ever be able to reach in radical ways. This young man is doing ministry with a large church in Nashville, Tennessee, but really desires to work with this church. Why, why that? Why would he, I mean, in a great church already in Nashville, why would he want to come here? Because of the vision. He's attracted to what we're doing and what we're trying to be and who we're trying to become. And he wants to be a part of it. I, I really hope that God will make a way for him to come here. In the next few months, it'll be how God works among this group of people and your giving that will determine whether or not that can be a reality. You know, it's just simply time for me to stop going to people outside our church and to those in other cities and states and asking them to support our church. You know, right now, I, just to let you know, again, um, you're, you guys are probably supporting two-thirds of what this church does. So we're almost there. We're doing a great job. We're right on track. So I just, I just want to tell you, though, there's more. There's more that we can do, and I'm excited about it. You know, some people wonder, you know, are you guys ever going to grow up and be a real church and get a building? And that is a good question. You know, and, and what I want to say is no. <laughs> but I can't say never. I can't say never. Our commitment is to plant a daughter church before we ever buy any property. Before we ever buy any property, we will plant a daughter church. So now, will we pay rent or lease property? Sure we will. We do that right now. Right now, we rent this facility three hours every Sunday. And the Orange Peel has given us a great, generous uh, nonprofit rate. And we uh, rent space from others like Innisteps Dance Studio, where we're doing the network course uh, tonight. A little advertisement, 6.30 to 8. Uh, 
We rent from the Soteria for the slice gatherings for the youth. Uh, we have our counseling office that's been donated by a very generous businessman over on Haywood Street. And uh, we have a storage unit over on Hendersonville Road where we have all our props and stuff that have been made for all the drama and great stuff that we do. And again, because of people's generosity, it's all more than adequate for our needs right now. We're fine. We are content. But there is more to the vision. There's more to the vision. If we pursue this vision further, it will require us to rent a facility seven days a week. Eventually, it will. You know, I've shared with some of you my desire for this uh, time on uh, Sundays to be a, a connection place where people can meet with God, that people can find access to God through Christ, to express their hearts to Him and somehow, some way, encounter the Lord's presence. And in the space of one and a half hours, Every Sunday, we try and hope that we could foster that atmosphere where that can happen here. But what if there was a space that was set apart for people to meet with God 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Not just, not just for our church, but for the whole city. What if there was a space you could walk into like you had an appointment with God? And it wouldn't be, you know, hangout space. It wouldn't be a shelter for the homeless. It would just be a place to come and meet with God in prayer. That would be its sole purpose. What, what, when you would step into this space, maybe you would see on the wall, you'd see the expressions of God's people in graffiti on the wall. Their answers to prayer, their scriptures, and, and the names of God artistically poured out. Another part of this holy meeting room, next to some lighted candles, you'd maybe pick up a crown of thorns that was made and a heavy nail and hold it in your hands and feel and remember what your Savior did for you. In this space, when you went into to it, you would hear the music of your generation lifting up the names of God. And as you listen, you'd suddenly realize you've just been ushered into the presence of the Lord. You would fall to your knees and, and you wouldn't say anything, but you'd just bask in the awesome presence of the Lord. Maybe you'd, you'd never have done it before. But no one is in this holy space with you. You're there all by yourself, just you and God. So you lay down on the ground face first like you've read about in the Bible in humbleness, worshiping God. And as you smell the carpet, what rises up out of your soul next is just words of honor to God. And soon after, a prayer forms on your lips for your generation, for your people. You don't even realize it, but you've spent an hour with the Lord in prayer. And it's time for you to go. And the strangest thing is that you wish you didn't have to. And as you get up to leave, you'd walk past a map of Asheville on the wall and you'd see little red marks on it. And the red marks represent where people who have come to this room have prayed for others and where they live and places that they're praying for. And you'd stop and you'd put a few red marks for some of the people that you've been praying for. And as you leave, still in an attitude of thanksgiving, you'd stop and, and, and at the, the journal, the answer journal at the door, you'd write a quick thanksgiving below the other handwritten scrawls that have recorded answered prayers and thanksgiving to God. And as you open the door to leave to this, this special place that is just for prayer, another person would enter in with his coffee mug ready to take his hour of prayer, his slot, and you'd stop and exchange a blessing for each other, knowing what is each, each is walking into and walking out of from that holy space. Transformation would happen in this holy place, this meeting place, and transform people, leave, and go back to their work, their neighborhoods and homes where that transformation doesn't stop. People would bring their unchurched friends to this holy meeting space to see it, hear it, 
touch it and feel it, people would encounter the Lord. People willingly and eagerly would sign up and take slots of prayer in the wee hours of the morning, 2 and 3 a.m. And there would sometimes be a line of people just waiting to get into this room to pray. Is it possible for Asheville to have a 24-7 prayer? I think so. And I think we're the people who can help initiate it. I know some of you have probably envisioned or dreamed of something similar, and you can see it just as clearly, clearly as I can. For others of you, that may be a little too otherworldly for you. And that's all right. That's all right, but hey, don't worry. Because right outside this little 24-7 prayer room, there's, there's a large space where every Saturday morning where the homeless are fed a free breakfast. A ministry of mercy started by our friends at Montreat College would finally find a place to land instead of going from park to park in Asheville getting kicked out. And we'd have a place. So you can come and be a part of that Saturday mornings. And you can help prepare food or visit with our friends from the street. And if you like, you can also ha help hand out bags of toiletry items, toothpaste and soap, things like that. Hand out blankets or towels for these guys, and people that are stopping by. You know, once a month we could also host a free medical clinic for those without health insurance through Project Access, which is already set up here in Asheville, where 85% of the medical professionals donate some of their time and their services. And uh, we could set this up and help out for many folks, and I know there's folks within our congregation that don't have health insurance. But if mercy to strangers isn't your thing, then here's a, there's another area in this space where you could find a food prep room where there are a couple of, couple of freezers just filled with healthy prepared meals that are donated and distributed once a week to single parents that are in need. We're always going to be trying to make sure the needs in our own spiritual family are taken care of. We want to do that. So maybe, maybe you could also imagine with me that the space that we use on Sunday mornings is also being used throughout the week as a place for music, art, drama, and sports workshops for kids without the jacked up prices that we usually see here in Asheville. Other workshops could be hosted for adults, you know, whether it's getting out of debt, parenting, first aid, or nature environment from a Christ-centered worldview to reach out to some of our, our friends that are connected with the rainbow people and, and uh, the New Age hippies. Another area within this rented space could be used for a gallery where local artists could display their works. And we could also have a venue for smaller concerts. I guess it kind of sounds like uh, the Highland Community Center. I guess that's what it would be. Even though, even though it would be a, a space for us on Sunday mornings, for the rest of the week it would be a space for our community, for them. So, look, all these thoughts are just geared towards engaging with our culture, ways that we could connect with our culture and not run from it. We want to change life as we know it through love, loyalty, and friendship of Jesus Christ. And it's going to take more than coffee and donuts to do it. Sorry to say. Eventually, we'll need to have a base to operate from and send people out from seven days a week. And that base is going to be in downtown Asheville. Uh, we, we are committed to being downtown. We're not going to go and be a suburb church. So also, you know, if you've been coming here and hoping that someday we're going to get out of downtown, it's not going to happen. We're, we're committed to staying here. You know, is there a geographical place in downtown Asheville that could really host all that's th that we envision? Yeah, there is. There are places available to lease right now. Uh, there's a particular place that we have in mind 
I would take $250,000 to outfit it and have the atmosphere that we're used to here in the Orange Peel. You know, this isn't the next step for us as a church, but I want to warn you, it's not far off. So I just want to warn you, tell you it's coming. Look, you know, I love, I love meeting here, and, and we can keep packing people in here. We can do it. But, um, you know, we got this thing where you guys like to sit in chairs. And, you know, Orange Peel, when they're doing concerts, they can pack in 900 people, but it's all standing room only. And so we could do that if you guys want to stand up the whole time. But I got a feeling that most of you don't want to. We also got all these little munchkins, and they're all over the floor. And, and so we kind of need a little bit more floor space so that when we're walking back and forth to our, fix our coffee habit, um, that we're not stepping on the kids. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that, Mommy, that bad man stepped on my picture, you know? Um, <laughs> We need a little more space. And our nursery is getting packed out. We, we turn the front gallery of the Orange Peel into a nursery. And, you know, when there's 18 to 20 kids plus the adult workers, it gets, it gets kind of stuffy and hot in there. And it gets a little bit zooish. And uh, so we, we, need some, we need some space. Um, but more than just physical space, really. We have a vision that goes beyond three hours a week on a Sunday morning. And here's the deal. Our, our leadership chose the atmosphere of the orange peel to meet in, okay, in the first place. So, so can you trust us? Can you trust us that we can choose to recreate a cool atmosphere in another location? We can. We can. I, I know that there is only one orange peel, and it will always have a special history with us. And one day, we're going to be sitting around saying, remember when we used to meet at the orange peel? <laughs> Yeah, man, cool memories. You know what, dude? It's just a building, really. And, you know, if you want to worship a building, man, there's some other churches that are already doing that. And you can, you can go join them and go worship the building, okay? Also, you know, if, and, you know there, again, there are other great churches that are meeting and doing the good things in Nashville. In fact, I've, met, I've already met four guys that are getting ready to plant churches coming in the near future to Asheville. So, you know, if you want the latest in the McChurch world of Asheville, we're not the latest anymore, okay? So if you want the latest and the greatest, man, there's other churches you can go and visit. And I, I, go, I mean, enjoy it. If, if you're into what the latest trend is, we are not the latest trend anymore, okay? There's more and there's good stuff. But look, with Highland... We got a dream and we got a specific vision. And that's what we're gathered around. We're not gathered around a building. It's not a building that holds us together or a latest trend that holds us together. And I'm not saying take it or leave it, baby. I'm just saying that this is what we are pursuing, okay? This is what we're pursuing and we're not gonna change direction on that, okay? These are the things that were, are non-negotiable, right? And so, if you're hoping that we're going to change our minds, we're, we're not. So I just want to let you know, I want to be upfront and clear about that. And, and how fast or slow we go is up to you and what you're willing to give of yourself and your time and your treasure. Speed doesn't matter to me. I can wait. I don't plan on moving. And I have the rest of my life to fulfill this vision. So changing life as we know it through love, loyalty, and friendship of Jesus Christ, this vision, and it's, it's like this giant bell. And it just resonates. And it's got this rope come down from the bell. And I'm just going to hang on to this rope. And I'm just going to yank on it like Quasimodo, the hunchback. 
and I'm just going to ring that bell, ring this vision over and over and over. And I'm just going to keep saying it over and over until it comes to pass, until we're actually living this out. And I know some of you might just say, hogwash. That's not going to happen. Well, you just wait. You just wait. It, it may be 25 years from now when we see a different Asheville, but it'll happen. It'll happen. Some of you'll see it too. Some of you'll see it. But, you know, I ask you guys, what's the next step in your spiritual journey? And I guess another way of saying that in a broader picture is saying, what's the dream for your life? What is it? I think God has assembled a special group of people here. And some of you have dreams that can be fulfilled and carried out together with Highland. And some of you, I know what I'm saying resonates. You're going, yeah, this is it. I'm a part of this. I want to be a part of it. But it's fair for you guys to ask us. Ask the leadership. Say, okay, what's the next step for the church? It's okay to ask that. You know, and, I, and that's what I wanted to share with you today. I just want to tell you a little bit of the vision that's ahead and what we're seeing, what we hope for. But really the next step, just the next step for our church is just us figuring out how we can support ourselves as a church to be self-sustaining. You know, I don't want any campaigns. I don't even know how to do those. Um, I don't want pledges or anything like that. I just want us to pray together. I just want us to pray and ask God to help this church and to work through us to provide for the dreams of this church. That's all I want to do. So I'm not sure what we're capable of doing with God's help, but I, I want to find out. I really want to find out. Just stand with me right now. I just want to close today with this in Ephesians chapter 3. See, Apostle Paul just talking about our God, our God who can do anything. It's Ephesians 3.20. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Have I just shared with you some things that are pretty out there as far as imagination? We can imagine some pretty big things, but God can do more than we imagine. And He can do this according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations and ever after. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next week.